Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Rare Disease Mama. I am your host, Jillian Arnold. from my summer hiatus. It was about, I don't know, a month and a half. I had to take a little wee break from the podcast because we just had a lot of stuff going on this summer. Um, We were getting ready to go on our trip to Florida for the National Neiman Pick Disease Family Conference which was freaking amazing, by the way. We had so much fun. Our kids had a blast. We had a blast. It was not nearly as stressful as I thought it was going to be. We actually enjoyed ourselves. Um, I'm going to probably do an episode with my husband where we talk about our experience with on that trip with our kids and what it was like traveling for 13 hours there and back. (laughs) So yeah, just stay tuned for that. I'm not going to dive into it today. Just know that it was awesome. And there's going to be an episode coming out about it. Um, But right before we were leaving for that trip, we lost our home nurse who was here during the day to help um, me with Roman and Stella. When she was here, I had plenty of time Well, not plenty of time, (laughs) but I had time to squeeze in working on this podcast throughout the day. So when we lost her, she unfortunately had to um, leave. She was having some personal stuff going on. So when we lost her, I it was back to just me. And I just was like, I can't I'm not even going to attempt to do all of this. Let's just focus on the kids and getting through the rest of the summer. And I wanted to get some guests lined up um, because I want to start having more guests on. So between that and the trip to Florida and everything else we had going on, I thought a little uh, summer hiatus was appropriate. But I'm back and I'm so excited to share this first episode with you guys. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Ryan Cheedy, who is a rare disease dad to his, well, they have three kids, but his son Reynolds has a rare um, disease called Costello syndrome. And it was just really fascinating getting to talk to him. Um, him and his wife started an app called Mijo. It's an app for caregivers of rare kiddos and rare or medically complex um, or children with kind of special and profound needs. I am obsessed with it. It's actually a really funny story how we got connected. So I had told my children's geneticist a few months back when I started the podcast um, that I was doing this and she was like, you know what, I think I have somebody that you would probably want to talk to. And then she kind of, she told me about Ryan and his wife and how they started this app, but she didn't give me like a whole ton of information. So we, we got connected and I was so excited to have him on just because I'm a huge fan of this app. I think anybody with special needs, children, rare disease, children, like this app is a must. It has really kind of changed my world a little bit in the best possible way. Um, And the thing I love the most about it is that it is an app designed specifically for parents like me. And you can just tell that everything was designed from the lens of a fellow caregiver of a medically complex child. It is super user-friendly, I I just can't say enough good things about it, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you guys. It was fascinating getting to learn more about Ryan and his experience as a rare disease dad to his son, and really how this app came to be. I mean, it's just, he's just really awesome. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. 
So I am not going to ramble on too much longer. I'm going to just get right into it because this episode is going to be a little longer than usual, but I hope you guys all enjoy it. So I will see you on the other side. So tell me about your son. How old is he? So, um, interesting enough, Reynolds is actually a twin. Okay. So, uh, the boys are four and a half, uh, Reynolds and Campbell. Okay. Cute names. Thank you. Family names. This is my mother-in-law's maiden name and Campbell is my great, great grandmother's maiden name. That's funny. My son, he, we named him Roman because my maiden last name is Romanski. Okay. So that's where we got his name from. So kind of similar. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And and with my wife being um, at Walmart, everybody jokes because those are very CPG names like Campbell Soup and Reynolds Wrap. <laughs> so that's what they actually wore as their first Halloween costumes. That's hilarious. Um, Love we, it. We wrapped up Reynolds uh, in aluminum foil. Um, but they're turning five in December. They uh, started preschool today. <gasps> And so they go exciting. to separate schools. Yeah, they go to separate schools. Campbell goes to a school um, with his younger brother. So we have a third son. Okay, Mac. yeah, I was curious. Yep, Mac. We re-upped, as some people say, during COVID. So <laughs> 19-month-old Mackenzie. And he's also a family name. That was my great-great-grandfather's clan in Scotland. Aww. So everybody's covered in the family. Everyone's um, happy. Yeah, so... But Reynolds has Costello syndrome, which is an ultra rare genetic mutation of the HRAS gene. And we had no idea that he had Costello in utero at birth. We didn't get his diagnosis until he was about 19 months old. Okay. And so the journey started, uh, and I always kind of joke, the journey of all this started when we were getting our first ultrasound and the tech said, oh, there's the first heartbeat. And my wife and I looked at each other. We're like, what do you mean first heartbeat? And so, you know, as you know, the tech can't tell you really anything beyond there's the first heartbeat, there's the second heartbeat, but I can't tell you it's twins. Yeah. And so, you know, the doctor came in and of course we were having twins and we didn't know anything was going on that was not part of the plan. We always knew that baby A and baby B were a little bit different in size. And they ended up being about 40% discordant at birth. Okay. No other indications would have led us to believe that there was anything going on. Right. Nothing going on. And so the boys were were born at 36 weeks. Cesarean. They were, you know, delivered, immediately whisked away, intubated, worked on. I think I got to hold each one of their hands for a couple couple minutes. Then they were taken away. And so that was a whole unique start to this, this process, this journey for us of, oh my gosh, what most people get to experience is this very joyous, happy day in their lives was filled with uncertainty and and kind of a scary moment for for us. Didn't get to see them for a few more hours after that, and then I had to go up to the NICU and and meet them really for the first time without my wife because she was recovering from you know a major surgery. And as many people describe after the fact, walking into the NICU is a is an experience you'll never forget. I can imagine that's. I, I can't even, I can't imagine giving birth to two babies and then not getting to immediately hold them. We got to touch their fingers. And, you know, I often say to, to folks, no one talks to you about the NICU until you have to go to the NICU. Yeah. And it's overwhelming. You walk in, there's beeps and there's machines and it's a lot of doctors in and out and, and just kind of controlled chaos but some of the best nurses you'll ever meet. There's just something different about a a NICU nurse that when I look back upon that experience, I still keep in contact with a lot of them. I hear that a lot. 
actually about other parents whose kids were in the NICU. They still keep in touch with the NICU nurses. That's so funny. I, so our children have, they had a home nurse. We're in the process of looking for a new one because we don't have one currently, but, um, one of our last ones, she was a NICU nurse for a long time. And she was just like the sweetest, sweetest lady ever. Having all of those amazing nurses, um, made the situation a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. but still the uncertainty and, and, you know, going through that situation is something I'll never forget. Yeah, I can imagine. So Reynolds, you said he was diagnosed around 19 months old. So did, were there like signs, like what was his kind of journey to a diagnosis? Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, as I have have kind of become this medical expert was, we all kind of have to be and claim we are right. Um, Kids that don't have a diagnosis at birth kind of get lumped into this birth defect grouping Uh and his birth defect um, at the time was airway. Okay. And so he had an airway issue that um, was causing breathing issues and eating and swallowing issues. And during that time, the the neonatologist was like, "There's something here. I can't tell. He's got some dysmorphic features, and and he's got some markers here." And so we ended up doing some some testing. One being a macro array and a karyotype that would have diagnosed you know, Down syndrome or dwarfism. Um, and that came back negative or quote unquote, the, the word that we kind of lost in our vocabulary is normal. And so we were kind of back to the drawing board and we went to different children's hospital to get some testing and ended up being sent back to the NICU that we were um, started at at birth. And then ultimately got sent back to another children's hospital again. And in total, we spent about 103 I say that as like a round number. No, I know exactly. It was 103 days (laughs) being in the NICU and his twin brother Campbell was in for 28 days as he was just, you know, a a grower baby. And this whole time we kept meeting with all these different doctors and no one could pinpoint it, but they, they ultimately all said there's something going on that is, is causing all of this. So Mm -hmm. he was having um, heart issues. He was having airway issues. Um, he was, you know, having some failure to thrive, which, which is a, you know, a, a growth issue. And so we were just trying to get those things fixed so that we could go home. We ultimately went home with a G tube. I remember the first time someone even mentioned that to me and that scared me to death. Yeah. Because I thought I'm not a nurse. I don't know anything about any of this stuff. It's like a whole new world when my son got his NG tube, he had an NG for like, I I think it was like two months. And then we made the switch to the G tube. But I I just remember the first night at home with his NG tube and he was getting his overnight feed. I don't think we slept for, I feel like I didn't sleep for like at least a month. Cause I was so terrified that his NG was going to slip out and it was going to start going into his lungs. But it's funny because once you get past that initial, like, oh my God, what is this like new world we're living in? It, everything just becomes second nature. <laughs> Jillian, I'm not going to lie. That's... There are sometimes I wish both of my other two sons had GT, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you know, with, 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 you know, trying to get a toddler to eat or take medications. Oh my God. I know. Kind of come full circle because prior to, you know, these two little guys, I was the typical guy. I, I didn't go to the doctors and I didn't know anything about medicine and paper cuts made me queasy. And now fast forward, four and a half years later, um, you know, you're the ones that are kind of describing these things to the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but let, I'll, I'll back up real quick to say, I think the thing that kind of made our journey pretty unique was the separation between my wife and I during this time. She was 125, 150 miles away with Campbell at home. And I was with Reynolds in a, in a NICU by ourselves. 
And and so having to navigate this again, time where should be joyous and the best moments of our life. And they were, I mean, we, Mm -hmm. we, we tried to make the best of it, but you know, they're uncharted, uncharted waters. And we've had to learn how to communicate better. And we've had to learn how to cope with things and just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. For me, you know, I I know the the podcast is really around confessions of rare moms. And I hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as a dad being in the situation, it was very unique. I often heard what was mom coming? Is mom going to phone in? Do you have this? Do you have any questions? Um, and and so it was a complete role reversal. Yeah. And you know, that's what makes our situation unique. And you meet all types of of, of people. And I think one of the things that you know I often talk about our situation is perspective. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how crazy our situation sounds to, to most, I get to meet others that have even crazier situations yeah and i learn from them and you know it's it's a big community that we probably would have never known about unless we had kids who had rare diseases for sure that it is it's a community you don't necessarily want to be in but once you're in it it's you just meet the most incredible people i say that all the time like i've just met just some of the most badass parents out there. It's, it's awesome. But so you were saying you were at the hospital with Reynolds in the NICU and your wife was at home and how far away was, was the hospital? About 150 miles, give or take. So did you guys like, did you switch at all? Or was it kind of, you were, you were parked there and she was with the, I can't imagine like that. That sounds tough. That sounds very tough. Well, think about it. I mean, I, I'll never know because I'm never going to be a mother. I never will get to birth children and I don't know that connection. Mm-hmm. But as a mom, I have to imagine the separation is 10 times harder as it would be as a dad. Um, but we made the decision as a family. There's continuity with me being there with Reynolds and building those relationships with the doctors and understanding. And the same thing has it with, with, you know, Ashley and Campbell at home. Now she did come, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, when the time was available, but again, she also went through major surgery. She also had to have a blood transfusion. Oh gosh! Um, and so she was recovering from, from all of that. And, and we also were in a time pre COVID, but the flu was really bad in and out of parents into the NICU was, was limited. So we just said, yeah. Hey, you know what? this is the best situation for our family. Some people might judge, some people might question it, but this is the best thing for us. Yeah. And so, you know, thank goodness for technology. We got to FaceTime all the time, new cameras that we could, you know, watch every night. And when the time came and she could make the trip down, she did. I had friends come and pick me up because the first time I ever went down, you know, I had to go down following an ambulance. And the next time I went down, I had to go in a, in a plane with, you know, a pair of underwear and, and uh, a toothbrush and an iPad and have no idea when I'm coming back. So there is a little bit of um, PTSD and you hear that a lot from parents just because it's like, you're going hundred miles a minute and then it goes to a thousand miles a minute and you have no idea where you're going and you're putting your kids' lives in hands of strangers. And so there are times that you kind of think about that. Just listening to you talk about that. Just, I was just thinking of when my daughter was born, my, I had, so I had my daughter, we got home from the hospital and two days later, my son got really sick and we ended up at our children's hospital with him and he was there for nine days. And I, I don't 
just listening to you talk about that because we were we were separated and I had a new baby at home. My mom, my sister, and my mother-in-law were like rotating shifts watching the new baby so I could be with my son because he was sick and I felt so torn. Like, do I do I stay home with the brand new baby who needs me or do I stay at the hospital with my sick kid that needs me? So it's I know that there was some judgment going on, like she should be at home with the new baby. And it's just like, it's an impossible kind of choice, but we did what we thought was best for us at the time and for both of our kids. And yeah, I just, my mind just went to that when you were, when I was listening to you talk about that. Um, and yeah, there's definitely, there is the PTSD is real for sure. Um, I never would have thought of, I, I've had people bring it up um, because I really live those moments. I tell those stories somewhat yeah. because it's comforting of me of going through that and the people that I met. And, you know, it's a situation that I hope most people don't have to go through and most people don't. One of the things that I do say to friends, especially like guy buddies that, you know, their wives are pregnant or girlfriends are pregnant. like. Hey, look up the NICU on Google, like just prepare yourself. You probably won't have to go, but prepare yourself, understand a little bit and kind of have a little bit of a game plan of something does go awry because I was completely caught off guard. Yeah. The only parenting classes you ever really go to are the birthing class. Mm -hmm. They don't ever teach you about (laughs) parenting after that or- if something happens and, and how you can cope with it and how you navigate it. And so, you know, if, if I can that and get your sleep now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. So, um, so I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit. What does your wife do? You, you mentioned. Yep. So um, Ashley actually just started a new job two weeks ago. She's the vice president of marketing at Sam's club. Okay. Um, headquarters here in Bentonville. But prior to that, she spent 13 years at Walmart Inc. in marketing and their customer organization. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were career people. We were going to have twins. We were going to put them in daycare. And we were going to go back to work, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months after uh, the boys were born. Little did we know that wasn't um, in the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, we kind of had to put jobs and careers on hold and try to figure this all out. Once the boys got home, we still spent, you know, the time together that we were going to have after birth. And then we both kind of went back to work and we, we had a nanny who came in to take care of the boys and um, she was she was great, but Reynolds was going to the doctor like every week, going to a new specialist, trying to figure out um, why is he not gaining weight? Why is he vomiting all the time? Is his heart condition okay? You know what is the underlying issue? And so I was in sales, and you know I wasn't hitting my quotas, and I wasn't able to go to client meetings as much because her job. And she's kind of always been the breadwinner. And so Mm -hmm. we needed her to continue with her career. And and God love her, she got promoted during maternity leave. Oh my God. She's she's our rock star. And and it's been amazing for the boys to to have a a female role model like mom. Yeah. Excuse my French is a is a badass. Yeah, she sounds like it. And I love it. (laughs) Um, but kind of at the same time, nanny quits. My job is struggling. Ashley gets tapped by an executive to take on a new role. We still don't have a diagnosis. We're still going to the doctors um, all the time. I said, how hard could it be to become a stay-at-home dad? I will quit my job or get fired. I don't care. I'll stay home with the boys. She said, "Uh, are you sure? Yeah, come on. It's bonbons and soap opera (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. No, not at all. And I've been almost at home four years now. And it's the most rewarding, toughest, craziest, 
every day, something different job that I've ever had and probably ever will in my entire life. And having the a, a kid like Reynolds who requires a lot of attention and a lot of therapies and medications and navigation um, was a challenge. Yeah. And with Ashley's new job, she traveled all the time. And so again, we're separated, but mm-hmm. again, family, we made this decision. This is how we have to, to go about doing these things. That's best for us. And so she would travel and I would be home with the boys and, you know, it could be two days, four days and you manage and you you, you do the best you can and still trying to figure out what is this underlying issue of all of these issues that are going on with, with, with him. And so fast forward in May of 2018, no, 29, it's been so long. I can't remember. I know it was May. We get the we get the phone call, and a lot of people can can relate because it happens like this over and over again. We do the test; it's going to be twelve weeks, and you think, okay, this is how the business world works. Let's get a meeting. Let's sit down. Let's get the diagnosis, and mm-hmm. not how it happened. Sitting at my desk here and working on something, and the genetics counselor called and said, "Hey, we got the results to Reynolds." Genetics study, do you want the results? And I'm like, well, yeah, but my wife is not here. Like, this is a big moment. Hold on. We paused. I located her. She came out of a meeting. I said, okay, we're both here, ready to go. And the genetics counselor said, well, the the, the test results are in. Would you like them? We're like, well, yeah, let's come on. Let's go. <laughs> um, I think it was just kind of a formality. Yeah. And she said, uh, Reynolds has a rare genetic mutation of the HRAS gene. He has Costello syndrome. Okay. That that wasn't even on the radar. Like, what is that? Um, and so she directed us to like Nord.org or something and um, told us to bring our questions when we met with the geneticist in two weeks. And you, you you tell others to not do this, but you immediately go to Google and you type in Costello syndrome. And usually what's the first thing that pops up? Life expectancy. And you go down the rabbit hole. And, and we we looked at that with a grain of salt. Hey, everybody's different. And so we, um, I mean, I remember hours went by until we both got to talk about it at home. And our journey completely changed. We now mm-hmm. have a definitive name. We had a little bit of a crystal ball, but it's this ultra rare disease or syndrome. Not many kids have it in the world. It is a rare disease, you know? And so we spent some time researching and we got connected with the Costello Family Network. And, you know, within 24 hours, we had a phone call with a mom. And wow, that's, you guys went right to it. I remember sitting in our countertop. I mean, I think I still have the papers that Ashley wrote down and they kind of navigated us through all this. And, you know, as a rare disease mom yourself, there's not a lot of research. So we rely on other families and other parents that are going through this with their kids to kind of tell us what they went through. And hopefully we're on that side someday of educating people about what we went through. and then from there, it was like, okay, what doctors we need to get on board now? What tests we need to get? One of the things um, that um, comes with Costello is predisposition to cancer. So okay. Reynolds is predisposed to a few childhood cancers. And not a lot of doctors would have known that um, at the time. There's actually now um, uh, a management guideline document that... Uh, our good friend, Dr. Weaver, who we got connected to. And I think that's kind of a a even cooler story too. Yeah. I was going to, I wanted to ask you about that, how you. Yeah. And and, And a couple other doctors put together this management guidelines. And so we actually had to go educate doctors on, Hey, this is Costello. This is what, what it means. And these are the conditions that come along with it. Um, and Hey, these are the type of tests that we need to start 
you know, going after and putting on the radar. And we've had amazing doctors to this point. They've been so receptive to us. Um, I'll never forget early in this journey, you kind of go, okay, business world timelines and, you know, process and everything to now doctors are collecting clues. They're trying to solve problems. Let's be a partner to them. Right. Let's bring information to them that they might not know about. Let's collaborate. Let's build this together. And um, we've we've been very fortunate to, to have doctors that have never questioned what we brought to the table. They're actually yeah. asking us to bring information, finding things from other parents. And this entire time, keeping up with all this information was mind-boggling. I've never claimed to be an organized person in my entire personal or professional career, but now my son has 20 plus doctors at this point. Medications through the roof, different conditions. I'm telling the same story over and over and over again. I'm filling out the same forms over and over again. I'm managing five different portals at different children's hospitals and pediatric centers and therapy clinics and schools and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need something to help me organize this. Why isn't there something? And I just started to make these little one pagers that had a cute picture of Reynolds and his timeline and, you know, the same information that was asked over and over again. And so When somebody asked me what medications is he on or a little bit about a condition, I would hand them the document. What's this? (laughs) I love that. So my son and my daughter, they both get infusions every other week. And for a long period of time, we would go in, they get their infusion and we'd have to stay overnight for observation. We'd have like a different nurse every time. And it was like, I was repeating everything over and over and over again. And I got to the point where I printed up a a little sheet with like his feed schedule, what he eats, like all the questions that they ask. And I just like taped it on the, the nurse's station. And I remember one of the nurses was like, Oh my God, every parent should do this. This is great. (laughs) That way I didn't have to like keep repeating myself to everyone. So Yeah. yeah, I love this. And that's one of the reasons why I love Miho. So if you want to take a minute and just kind of tell everyone yeah, how that kind of came to be. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it literally started with having an idea in the NICU. I created PowerPoints based off of what the doctors would tell me so that I could send them to Ashley and to family members. And part of that time was me educating myself, right? Remember in grade school, like you'd write things on note cards, muscle memory. So I felt like the more I could kind of put this things on paper, it would help me remember them to then building these one pagers and hearing doctor after doctor, therapist after therapist and family after family say, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I had one professor um, say, this is best in class caregiving. And I thought, Oh my gosh, if this is best in class caregiving. There is an opportunity here to help a lot of people. And so Ashley and I said, maybe we should start a company. And kind of like, how hard can it be to be a stay-at-home dad? I said, how hard can it be to create a startup and develop an app with no background in any of that? <laughs> in healthcare that I have no background in. Right. But I knew I was living it and I was meeting people who needed it. We were educated and we had some means to, to put this together. And we felt like this is kind of our new calling, my new calling to to, to build this. And so... I really wanted to name it This Is Me, kind of like after that song, The Greatest Showman. But if you ever tried, and I'm just like your podcast, trying to come up with a name that is not taken, that means something, that could stand the test of time is harder than naming a child. And so Ashley being the marketing guru genius that she is, we whiteboarded. And I still have pictures of the whiteboard because I went to part of the museum, but one day we were out on the deck and she said, how about me, Joe? And I said, huh, tell me more. And she said, well, it can stand for me journal or medical journey. Okay. 
And a lot of my Spanish speaking friends and friends from Texas from uh, a different lifetime ago always pronounce it Miho. And Miho means better. I thought, okay, that kind of even goes with it. It's a happy coincidence. Um, but also Miho, M I H O, means son. Mm-hmm. We created this for our son. And so we said, that's it, Mijo. And we created a beta where people could input information. Once that information was inputted, it would develop a PDF. Once that PDF was downloaded, the information would go away. Because I didn't know you know, how saving medical information and privacy and security all worked back then. Yeah. You know, the one-man show. But people loved it. But because we were focusing on rare disease and complex children, Things change. And so mm-hmm. if they had to re-enter it every single time, it just wasn't worth um, their time. And and time to a caregiver is the most valuable resource out there. For and sure. so Ashley and I kind of went back to the drawing board and said, okay, I think we should take this to the next level. And I always thought I needed a co-founder. Now, Ashley and I are co-founders, but she has a full-time job and I do the day-to-day. So I said, I need a co-founder who can help me out. And in the beginning, I thought, I need a co-founder just like me. Passionate, energetic, can tell the story, has a story just like me. And I actually found the complete opposite. I got connected with a guy named Brett Konkak out of Kansas City, which is about two and a half hours away. And he spent his entire career at Cerner, which is... Um, one of the largest electronic medical record companies out there. And he is the yin to my yang. He is very process, very um, methodical, technical, brings all that background. And I'm the guy who has the story and everything like that. But crazy enough, Brett also has two rare kids. Wow. He's a stay-at-home dad now. And so things happen for a reason. So we, we came together and we built a product that still falls in line with being caring, being simple, being empowering, being useful, that is caregiver centric, which then helps the patient. And we launched our first version on um, um, June 6th, I've got to meet so many people like you. And we have hundreds and hundreds of users already loving it because we build it from the lens of a medically complex rare disease caregiver. Yes. I, I love it. I mean, I had these two thick huge binders that I was keeping everything in. And yeah, I was so excited when I learned about this. And I honestly was just like, why didn't I think about, why didn't I think of this? So, you know, we hear that a lot. Um, It's flattering. I knew I didn't invent the wheel, but hearing heads of rare disease organizations and parents and caregivers who said, man, we've thought about this for years, but you actually did it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for thinking about it from our side, not a platform that was built for the hospital that we get to use. We were built specifically for a parent and caregiver of a rare disease, medically complex child, because those kids depend on us to tell their story. And we wanted to build it in a way that everyone could pick up this app via the web and they knew exactly how to use it. They knew exactly what it was used for. They didn't need explanation um, on why to use it. Oh, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite feature? The sharing function. So being able to share it quickly, securely, wherever I am, is something that was like, it has to be like, yes, putting the information in in a beautifully designed PDF is is how we started. Mm -hmm. 
being able to, to share that information that communicates how a child needs to be cared for was something that um, was a huge focus for us. Because not just for kids like Ren, but his two brothers, you know, we're starting to kind of get out back into the wild. Ashley and I have a date night here or there or having a new caregiver. They can get caught up to speed on on all three of them in a, in a quick link. Yeah. It's simple now, but we'll be adding features where, you know, you can have a family view where you don't have to send it two different times. And, you know, you can share it with the school and have it be live for however long you want um, or, you know, share it with other places. You know, our, our goal is to connect into other places mm-hmm. so that you can share your Mijo so you don't have to fill out the form. Yeah. It becomes the face sheet for school. I love that. That's definitely like my favorite feature too. I know I, I shared with you. I often think about, oh my God, what if something happened to me and my husband unexpectedly and nobody knows how to take care of our kids and nobody knows what equipment they go in throughout the day and what meds they take and how they take them. Like I love it just gives me that peace of mind and I can share it with family members. They have it. Like it just, it just makes me, I, when I told you, I was like, I, I hate bringing this up because I don't want to like sound so grim, but that's, I feel like that's something that us rare disease parents always kind of have in the back of our minds. Like who is going to care for my child? If God forbid something happened where I wasn't able to. You you said something that that um, I want, and and I feel like we are currently solving for is the how, not just the what, right? So you can go in and you can download your kid's medication list from their EMR. And the example I use is with Reynolds. I take Synthroid. I take thirty seven point five. I take it once a day and. Dr. Otero was the prescribing doctor, but I know he takes it in the morning, 30 minutes prior to food. He gets it crushed up, mixed with five to 10 mils of water. It goes into his G tube and I give him a high five afterwards. Like that is caregiving information. Yes. And that is the information that only we as primary caregivers know what it takes to get that done. Yeah. To communicate that over and over again, because what if, or you do get a date night with, with your significant other and someone could just pick that piece of paper up. And that's why we called it the playbook because it literally is the playbook of, of caring for that job. So many different pieces in, in our template to allow the caregiver to put that information. Same thing with medical devices. What size is his G2? When did he get it last replaced? What is the manufacturer? What type of AAC device does he use? What type of standard? Like all that information lives somewhere in a post-it note, but we thought because we've lived it, other people need that place to put information as well. Yes. Yeah, I I definitely, that is my favorite feature in I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I'm excited to share it with my family and I've been telling other rare disease parents about it. People with medically complex kids, like it's just, it's just awesome. So thank you so much for creating this. Well, thank you for, for being a champion and advocate for it. Um, Cause we've lived it. We know there's others that, that need it. And we wanted to give back and this is our way to give back. And we've only been in it for two months and we've had amazing response and we continue to meet with other rare disease organizations because the more people that, that use it and validate that this is needed, allow mm-hmm. us to go and do more things. Yeah. So uh, allow us to build features like saving documents, other sections, um, you know, and so forth. And, and so it, it's, it's been really awesome to see the rare disease community, especially mm-hmm. get behind it. and who knows where this will go. I, I have big aspirations for it, 
because I, I meet people like you all the time. Well, not you specifically. You, you guys, you guys have a unique situation, but but you know what I mean. It's 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 the people that I get to meet because of this, and that they tell me how it helps them. And hey, Ryan, if you could add this one thing, this would make my life so much easier, and I will use Mijo ten times more. That inspires me to go build more things like you, like us. Reynolds will never not have Costello syndrome. He will always need managed care. And having that allows me to meet other folks that need it. Do you want to share how um, people can sign up for Mijo? Yeah. Yep. Um, so anyone can go to www.mymijo.com. It is a free web app. So you won't find it in the app store. We actually designed it that way to be a web app because later down the road, we'll be able to do more things with it. Okay. Yeah. I was curious about that. And be able to have more features and connectivity and and and, and so forth. And so s- sign up takes about 60 to 90 seconds. We designed it that way specifically because we know, again, mostly moms, come on, dads, let's, let's get in there or in the doctor's office and they're going to see something and they're going to do the QR code and they've got a kid or two on their lap. They'll fill it out. We're not asking you a bunch of questions that benefit us. It's all about you. And so you can sign up, you can go to it later. You can add other kids. That's one of the cool things that we we offer is you can have, um, you know, as many kids added to your profile as you want. You can which, add- which I love for sure. <laughs> it's all in one place. Like, as I mentioned, you know, we're getting smarter where we can create family views and, and things like that because there is, um, you know, the same information as far as uh, pediatrics and emergency contacts and things like that. Um, but, you know, please sign up, test it out. Please send us information of what you like, what you don't like. We're only going to grow based off of brutal feedback, as I like to call it, because we built this for for the community. Yeah. You know, we're going to learn from that. And then um, I ask everybody to tell a friend. We're, we're a small startup with, with limited or no marketing budget. So at right now we, we rely on people, you know, sharing it on, on their social media and through their podcasts like you have. And um, it's, it's, it's been growing since day one and, you know, we're excited to, to communicate with other, rare disease orgs that are sharing it out to their groups. I mean, I didn't know anything about a rare disease prior to having Reynolds. There are 7,000 rare disease orgs. There's 300 million people in the world. And that's why we're focused in on the rare disease, medically complex pediatric space. There's a lot of kids. There's 75 million kids in the United States. There's 15 to 20 million that have a rare disease. Yeah. Which and is if you add on the periphery kids that have Down syndrome, autism, mental health complications. Right. That's a third of all kids that have a medical condition. They all need a Mijo. Their kid, the, the, these kids depend on their parents having all that information. Yeah. And that's how we will, we will grow. We're not trying to create a platform for everyone just yet. I'm going to create a platform for um, older caregivers. Our focus and passion is in pediatrics. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving me personally precious minutes back to my life. (laughs) And thank you so, so much for taking the time to come on and talk to me and share your, your Mijo journey and, share about your precious son and hopefully we can chat again in the future. And in the meantime, I'm going to be sharing this with, you know, as many people as I think could benefit from it, which is a lot. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you having me on and thank you for what you do. Um, it, it is, um, as you know, being a rare parent is sometimes lonely and platforms like this and, and podcasts like yours allow me to realize that I'm not alone. Yeah, that's, 
that's definitely one of the goals of this podcast and just being and able real. to. And I love yeah. the, the, the realness of it. Like yeah. I love your thing, real, raw, rare. Like <laughs> you start off as real, like Same. having conversations with, with your husband about the importance of nurturing your relationship. These are the type of things that, that people need to, to hear and, and learn from. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, Go Steelers. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be friends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, I, you know, let's continue to have this dialogue. I appreciate you sharing this with, with others and continue to use your Mijo, continue to push us on finding ways to make your job easier. Yeah. And do you have any um, social media plugs you want to, where people can follow you or? Yeah. So we're on Instagram and Facebook at my underscore Mijo. Mm-hmm. Um, we we showcase testimonials from moms like you, and you've been, been gracious enough to do that. And um, we want to create a community where people can kind of learn and have fun and and um, commiserate sometimes with with other people they're going through with with what they're going through. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, and I will let you go. Have a great night. It was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Take All care. All right, bye. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you next.